You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Selecting the proper surgical blade for your periodontal procedure can be critically important for a successful outcome. Today, we'll be covering quality of material, applications, handles, and how all these factors can affect performance. Our guest is Dr. Veronique Benamou, a certified specialist in periodontics and implantology, an associate professor and past director of the Division of Periodontics at McGill University Dental School. Dr. Benamou has been a recipient of many prestigious teaching and clinical awards and is currently in private practice in downtown Montreal. Dedicated to teaching, she is very involved with continuing dental education worldwide. Our sponsor today is Jay Marita, a leading supplier in the dental industry whose product portfolio covers a wide spectrum of dentistry, including 2D, 3D imaging, laser equipment, handpieces, apex locators, and consumable dental supplies. We thank Jay Marita for their sponsorship. And I know many people at the company, and it's a fantastic company, and we're very happy to work with them to bring you this information. Dr. Benamou, it's a pleasure to have you on our show. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, we enjoyed you the last time. And uh, anybody that missed Dr. Benamou's podcast, do a search on Viva Learning for Dr. Benamou, and you'll find it. Uh, her name is spelled B-E-N-H-A-M-O-U from uh, Montreal. So we're going to be talking about surgical blades. Are all of them created equal? And, uh, you know, the rhetorical question the answer to the rhetorical question is no, they're not, but um, we'll find that out through listening more to Dr. Benamou. Why is it important, doctor, to use a high-quality surgical blade? So a little bit of history first because it's fun, uh, and I researched that for you. Uh, blades have been around for a long, long time, and the first time people described a surgical knife was, in fact, Hippocrates. So this goes to 400 B.C. Uh, then he had a broad cutting blade on a single edge, uh, and then it was sharp and straight in point. And blades, funnily enough, have essentially had the same shape today as they did then. But the thing is, over the years, surgical blades have been manufactured for specific procedures, and they vary by size, shape, and material. And the quality of the material and the finishing of the blades has improved tremendously. Today we know the quality is vitally important and a blade has to be held to the highest standard of excellence. And the reason for that is that blades need tremendous amount of sharpness in order to cut effectively human tissue. One thing that, you know, you could just use whatever blade, but it's been reported in the literature that if you have the right surgical tool, including, of course, a blade and the proper instruments and surgical lighting, that can be as critical as the expertise and the technique of the surgeon. So for sure, it's important to have a good blade. The sharper and the smoother the blade is, the less drag and the less tissue trauma you get. And if, if you get less drag and less tissue trauma, you're going to get quicker healing. So it's really, really important to have a, a blade uh, that is made of high-quality stainless steel, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, surgeons always report a better sense of tactile feedback with a higher quality blade. So if your blade is really sharp, it's going to make it easier. A mistake is to think that if you have a less experienced surgeon or a surgical resident that you can give them a, a cheaper blade. But in fact, it's reverse. Uh, when you start, you actually need an even better quality blade. That's interesting. That, that, is that what they do to the uh, residents? Yeah. They throw them the cheap blades? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so because, you're, putting, you know, you're putting them at a disadvantage from the get-go. So they have to be extra, extra good surgeons in order to meet the uh, quality. The requirements, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Well, that's a tough one. Um, another thing that people don't think, you know, is that uh, the lesser quality blades will dull very quickly. And, uh, and as they dull, they, they will drag on the tissue. It doesn't cut as well. So it slows you down, and you don't get the same niceness of cut. Um, and you end up changing blades several times during the procedure because as soon as they're in contact with hard tissue like bone or roots, they dull, and then you have to use a different blade. The sharper the cut, you would assume the healing is going to be better, right? I mean, what's the correlation? Absolutely. Huge correlation. The sharper the cut, the more the more precise your approach, the quicker the healing, for sure. So tell us about some of the materials that are used in these high-quality surgical blades, if you would. So historically, uh, again, silver was the method of choice, was the material of choice. Today, most surgical blades are made out of stainless steel or tempered steel or high-carbon steel. Uh, the best material is stainless steel. It's usually uh, what they do is they add to the iron, they add some chromium, and the chromium makes the steel less uh, uh, with a uh, less corrosion so it has more resistance to corrosion and that's really important then within the surge within the stainless steel there is a grade called surgical steel and surgical steel is the highest grade of stainless steel and it has the greatest amount of corrosion resistance and is specifically designed for biomedical applications like a surgical blade, of course. The importance here, more so even than the corrosion, is the ability uh, to to work the stainless steel so that you can really grind it so that you end up with these ultra-sharp cutting surfaces. Right, yeah, that and, and that, yeah, that's very important for sure. For example, if you if you look at the, the blades I use in my practice, uh, the, they're, they're called the feather microsurgical blades. So I use a lot of tiny blades, and we can discuss why later. Uh, th these are uh, made of a very high-quality surgical steel, but they have a, a grinding technology which allows them to get these ultra-sharp cutting edges. And the beauty is that each individual blade is inspected visually so that they don't miss any crack or tarnish or the faintest. So I think uh, we were talking about corrosion in the, in the manipulation of the material, right? You don't want to end up with tarnish on the cutting edge either. So ultimately, that blade will stay sharp much, much longer, does not drag, which is beautiful, uh, and doesn't require to be changed during a procedure. What kind of procedures are we talking about where the blade would be used for an extensive period of time, uh, typical for either a GP or a specialist, where it's really important to maintain the sharpness of the blade? So let's talk, for example, about uh, pocket reduction surgery, where you're going to touch bone and you're going to touch root surface, clinical crown lengthening, uh, even uh, even an epico, because uh, an epicoectomy, for example, because all these procedures require that you actually touch bone. And most of these procedures require uh, a quadrant, buccal, palatal, or buccal lingual. So if you end up, uh, you know, a lot of people choose blades according to cost, right? They say, okay, why, I'm going to throw it away, like you said, so why go for a more expensive blade? Uh, the reality is that surgical steel, for example, is the most expensive type of steel. 
So, but if the blade is more expensive, but it's sharper and it stays longer and you're not changing it, then you're better off, I think. Oh, without uh, with a doubt. With a better tool. Yeah, you're yeah. going to get predictable clinical results uh, with your surgical procedures with, with a blade that maintains its sharpness. Like you said, the, a, a blade going dull, unless you change that blade before yeah. you know it's dull, you're going to have some tissue drag, which could cause problems. And people... People underestimate that, you know, like, for example, I'll do a, a free gingival graft, okay? Free gingival graft, I'll do my initial incision in the lower anterior area, let's say. By the time I'm going to the palate, that blade can be dull. And I have to tell you, if the blade is dull when you're picking up soft tissue in the palate, you're going to do, you're going to create a mess. So it that depending on where you are like i've had situations where i've practiced out of my office and i was given blades that are not as up to par and i end up using two or three blades for a procedure so there's there's definitely no advantage there plus you don't end up with the same outcome right and it's frustrating to have to change blades yeah. in the middle of the procedure you, Absolutely. Yeah. So how many dentists do you think realize that there's a big difference between surgical blades? Maybe they're just used to changing blades and they just think, okay, this is what happens. I'm going to be contacting bone. It's going to dull the, the edge of the blade and I'm going to have to put another one in. What do you think is the um, understanding out there? I would tend to say that the more experience uh, in surgery a dentist is, the more likely they are to search for a good quality blade. Uh, you know, when when you're starting and you're not you're still struggling with the procedure and you're still struggling with the, the type of incision you're going to do and where you're going to place it, you may spend less time worrying about your tool. I think that the better and, and the more efficient you become, the more you realize that what's holding you down is, is the tool. So I would, it's hard to give it a number, but I would say that too many people don't realize that they're not using a top quality mm -hmm. uh, blade. You, you mentioned feather microsurgical blades. What is it about the microsurgical part that's advantageous versus the traditional mm -hmm. surgical blade? So remember what I said to you. Uh, most surgical blades today are still essentially the shape that they were <laughs> hundreds and, and hundreds of years ago. So lately, we have realized in the last uh, 10, 15 years that there are procedures where we really would require something different. And in the past, where you wanted to go and do mostly minimally invasive surgery, which is very trendy today, right? Procedures that are, require loops or microscope. Uh, you, you now are looking for blades that have to be a different shape. They can't be as big or as large as what was used before. So traditionally, uh, uh, we had to go find these blades in the field of, um, of uh, ophthalmic surgery. And they were the only ones who had these. They had these tiny little blades. And those blades only fit on a specific type of, of handle. So it, it was more difficult to get. Finding these microsurgical blades that are particularly made for periodontal surgery and in, in regenerative surgery is great because not only have they developed a number of different shapes and sizes, but the blade actually fits on any conventional handle. Although they make their own titanium handle, which is um, quite nice actually, because it's, um, it's very light, it's very ergonomic and so on. Uh, they um, made their blades so that you can fit them on any 
handle that you you like. Right. So it's a universal type attachment to the handle. Correct. So Correct. tell us more about the, this particular handle because I looked at it on the website before we had our podcast, and this handle looks very slick, very ergonomic. Uh, it's really a nice looking handle. It is. Uh, tell us about the, the actual material, the handle, the benefit of it. And also, you want to mention something about the flexibility of the blade, why that, yeah, yeah, why that microsurgical blade is more flexible. How does that help us? So for the handle, uh, to finish with that, it, it's made out of titanium, but the titanium is actually coated with a special treatment because we know that titanium over time can corrode with regular instruments. This handle is round, uh, which is good. I have not used a flat scalpel handle in in. In never, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, it's lightweight, which is important. It has a really nice balance, uh, and that's what you're looking at. When you uh, a handle is not a handle is not a handle. Again, uh, when your handle sits in your hand, you're not using it like a hammer, right? You're using it like a very fine instrument. So the handle has to be weighted properly. It has to be balanced properly, so that when you handle it, uh, you can actually do the the movement that your your brain is envisaging right so um that's for the handle for the blades the beauty of them is that they can be very very thin right the blade can be 0.3 millimeter in thickness and their width can be basically two millimeters wide um, some of them have sharpened only one side others have sharpened on both sides so they really can be chosen to fit the particular surgery that you're planning to do. Now, think, for example, those areas where lower anterior teeth, very narrow, narrow papilla, uh, very thin tissue, where you need something really precise. Think the posterior area with a patient where you don't have much room to position your blade, if you have a blade which is slightly angulated, or if you have a blade like these where the steel allows you to bend it a little bit so that you can get a better access, then that's a game changer. Those are all very valid points. And for those of you who are interested in, in taking a look at these blades, they are very nicely uh, displayed on Merida.com's website. The name of this blade that Veronique is, is referring to is Feather Microsurgical Blades. So they're uh, very interesting looking blades. And, and apparently, um, according to Dr. Benamu, uh, there's no question that these blades have been a huge help and an adjunct to her uh, successful surgeries at her office. Um, is there anything else you want to add? Because you really did cover this very well. And it's something that, you know, we have no content on surgical blades. We have 1,200 hours of CE courses. We have hundreds and hundreds of podcasts, and no one's talked about a surgical blade, which is why we were very excited to have you on and discuss it, because it's not a common topic. Uh, but it's interesting. When you actually sit and think about it, uh, this is a tool that you, that I use daily. A lot of the times, I, I'll pick out a blade, and I'm like, gee, I really like this. It's allowed me to do this or that. So uh, doing this podcast allowed me to think about that more specifically and to realize that, yes, you know, the, the, the beauty of having all these different shapes uh, really allows you to, to hone your surgery and to to get it that much nicer, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and, and just think about all the research and development Marita had to do to develop this. And people look at surgical blades as kind of a commodity item. You know, like some people yeah. look at toothbrushes. You know, it's another toothbrush. But millions and millions of dollars of research and development go into developing these kinds of products. And you've got the handle. You've got the blade shape, the flexibility, 
the material, the uh, and availability shortness. because mm -hmm. yeah, and availability because we we you know as I said before, those were difficult to come by. You had to actually go into the medical field to to search these. Right, right. Now these are sold through distribution. Um, I assume uh, Marita sells yes. so Henry Schein, Patterson, Banco, all these different dealers would probably carry it. I, I would think so. Yeah, definitely. That's how you know I purchase them through dealers. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. And um, yeah, so we really appreciate your insight, Veronique. It's been very enjoyable to hear you speak uh, on a topic like you said. Is like, what are we going to talk about surgical blades? But there's quite a bit. And as I said, our listeners are always interested in hearing things that they're not accustomed to hearing. It was really interesting to bring this up. So we hope to have you on a podcast soon. And until then, stay safe in Canada. Keep up the incredible work you're doing with your continuing dental education worldwide. It's very, very admirable that you continue to do this. And uh, we hope to visit Montreal. We wanted to visit Montreal this summer, my wife and I. I don't know about the traveling with COVID, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. But you do know we are one of the worst areas yeah. in, right, in exactly. Canada right now. Yeah, I know. Uh, that being said, uh, uh, we're we're going to be fine. We're yeah. we're so getting better. When when things lighten up out there, we'll we'll let you know we're coming. So you'll recommend some good restaurants to us in the meantime. Most definitely. All right. Well, thank you very much, and uh, stay safe. We hope to have you on another podcast soon. Thank you for having me. Have a good day.